Hello and welcome to the Magic Lantern Show. Hello and welcome, Austin. Uh, I'm Austin, like he said. That's Brandon. <laughs> I'm Brandon, like he said. Ooh. <laughs> um, it's a little after Halloween. It's a little bit, but we're still going to continue on with the Halloween Spooktacular because I don't care what anybody says, Halloween doesn't end until December 1st. Halloween doesn't end until, like, Hanukkah starts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, autumn's the perfect time for a scary movie, and I just figured we'd talk some old movies, some new movies, a little stuff bit that of gets our blood up pumping. Yeah, baby. So I got some old movies, some old shit to talk about, and you got some new shit to talk about, just to bridge the gap a little bit, because I think there is more connective tissue than you initially would expect from new age horror. I agree. You know, obviously a lot of these newer directors are heavily inspired by classic films that they grew up with. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just hit me with one, you know, throw one out there real quick. Uh, Well, last night, actually, before bed, in bed, I watched the movie House. It's a Japanese horror film from 1977. Um, Highly recommended on Letterboxd, highly recommended on everything. I decided to give it a shot. And it starts out as your basic, um, like, six, seven teenage girls go to spend a, a weekend or whatever at a, an aunt's house. And okay. uh, they all start getting eaten in eaten. more elaborately wacky ways. <laughs> eaten? Eaten. Um, so the movie is very, it's, it starts off very nonchalant. And kind of the camera angles let you know that this isn't going to be your average movie. And then once once people start dying, it just turns into some like Looney Tunes, insanely colored art house bullshit out the window. Nothing makes sense, but it's just like you can't look away because it's so fascinating. Is this one of those movies where it doesn't show you what's eating them because they didn't have the budget to put it on screen? Hell no. I finally watched a woman get eaten by a piano. And there were like what the fuck? There was some neon colored shit. There's headless women. There's it's there's a there's a character named Kung Fu. Yo, hashtag justice for Kung Fu. She is <laughs> all the girls have nicknames too, so you don't have to remember anybody's name. It's like her name is gorgeous, her name is Kung Fu, her name is this. Like it's but kung fu, kung fu, legitimately kung fu fights throughout the whole movie. And honestly, house, fucking watch it. It's on HBO Max. Oh Worth man, it. this sounded like it was gonna be really shitty. Like yeah. another one of those movies where like we didn't have the budget to put the things on screen. But I think you've got my interest, and now I'm gonna have to watch it for sure. For sure, uh, give, <laughs> hit me with one of those new new boys. I think this is one that pretty much everybody's seen, and that would be Get Out, uh, directed by Jordan Peele. It was his first film um, that he fully produced and directed. I feel like at this point in 2020, pretty much everybody's seen Get Out, and if you haven't, then uh, yeah, get the Get Out. You know? Yeah, Get Out. <laughs> get Out's really good for. Um, it's like a really good balance of comedy and horror. We talked about that with the Scooby Doo episode, but it's really exactly. hard. I think it's really hard for a lot of people to hit horror and comedy. And I think he just leans into the dark comedy, like the uncomfortable situations. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said, everybody's seen the movie by now, but Jordan Peele obviously has a long background in comedy. It's something he's been doing for a couple decades now. 
And seeing him break out into the horror genre was something I don't think anybody really expected. But he did it so well, because like you said, he's got that balance. But he, he finds a way to take a topic that nobody wants to talk about and make it watchable and easily digestible, in my opinion. For sure. Um, and then the movie, the movie also does a really good job of being like, it's a mystery. But then it hits you with like, oh, no, there's brain surgery going on. <laughs> yeah. And it comes off as like your typical psychological thriller, but it's done really, really well. And then by the end of the entire thing, you're like, oh, my God, this is like some straight up sci-fi horror shit. Like completely out of left field. They're like, oh, no, we're like swapping people's consciousness into bodies and shit. But it's like racially fueled. (laughs) Yeah, but it's always endlessly interesting. And it's one of those where with rewatch, you start picking up the little pieces along the way. And you're like, I should have known. And that's exactly what I was going to say is that I've rewatched this movie probably like two or three times at this point since the initial uh, release. And every single time I watch it, I, I start to pick up more and more. And like on that second rewatch, especially like, I don't feel like most movies have a lot of rewatchability as far as like, well, once you know the twist, that's kind of it. And get out seems like it would be one of those movies where you're like, well, once you know how it ends, like you really aren't going to find more. And that's a fucking lie. Once you watch it the second time, you start to realize from the very start of the movie and you're like, oh, my God, they were he literally told you the entire plot in little foreshadowing bits from the very opening scene down to the music selection that he picked. And I cannot even listen to I got five on it ever again (laughs) without thinking of this movie uh um get out it's great you should check it out um i'm gonna talk about 1960s french film eyes without a face eyes without a face it is a black and white film it's about a scientist professor surgeon something of that sort and he's got a daughter with a deformed face so he's kidnapping young women and trying to perform experimental surgery to give her their face. Relatable and content. Relatable content. Um, <laughs> honestly, this one is a bit slow. Um, and obviously it's in French. But the I gotta praise the special effects for 1960 black and white. They're fucking dope. Like, real dope. Um this one's most of the ones I've got are shorties. They're about like an hour and 20 minutes, maybe. Um, this is good if you're like cleaning the house and you're looking for something to do. You'll definitely know the good parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a quick, it was just a, it was a fun little watch, but it definitely reminded me of another film. I know you're probably going to bring up with deformed faces and people hiding out. That would be us. <laughs> deformed faces. Yeah. Um, perfect segue right there. Yeah, then, yeah, we'll bring up Us. Us is also Jordan Peele. That was the second movie that he came out with. And like you said, you know, Deformed Faces, another... I think this one definitely falls more under psychological thriller. Uh, You spend Mm -hmm. the entire movie wondering what the fuck is going on. Uh, (laughs) It's another one of those movies. Jordan Peele hits the nail on the head, and most people wouldn't think that a second movie would be great, but it's another one that's got really good rewatchability. Once you find out the end, you think there would be no rewatchability, and there is every single time. I don't know how he does it. It's a perfect formula. I, I What I really liked about us is I enjoy going to the movies and on the ride home just being like, how does this work? Right. What, what's the deal with this? 
and not in like a, they didn't answer anything. Like I don't need all the answers, but now I just want to know like the inner workings of this system. See, and I'm not a fan of movies that do that to you where you're like, I, I feel like I still have all these questions that they set up in the beginning and nothing was answered. Mm-hmm. Like a movie that I feel like I personally did not like, but is apparently a modern horror like classic is it follows. And okay, I didn't gonna... like that movie at all, but I, everyone I... loves it because I feel like it just had so many questions unanswered by the end. Yeah, I remember in hindsight, it follows is I liked I liked the premise because it's very it leans into the horror trope of like teenagers are always sleeping with each other. What if that's just the thing killing them? Right. But I it's see. like and it was very neon and synth and very like a big homage, but it was just like nothing in it really happens. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> and see uh, that's, that's the big difference. That's why I do like obviously I've mentioned both of Jordan Peele's movies and I like his movies a lot. They're partner perfect as far as a horror movie can be in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And I only bring up It Follows because, like, everyone rants about that movie. If you look up, like, top horror movies of the 2010s, It Follows is, like, usually top five. With Us, Get Out, and things like that being usually in the top three. Yeah. I don't know how people watched It Follows and they were like, oh, that was solid. And I know a lot of people that, like, don't watch horror movies regularly that think It Follows is a really good example of a horror movie today. And I'm like, can you tell me what happens? And they're like, it's like a, it's like a ghost STD. And I'm like, and you're cool with that? <laughs> like, you're just accepting that for what it is? No rhyme or reason? That's it? And they're like, yeah, it was super good. I'm like, nothing happens in that film nothing. at all. People have sex and then they die. That's it. And then they have to do it to the next person, and that's it. <laughs> no substance. Uh, uh, I've got a good old one that I think we could transition into a, a newer one we didn't mention. Uh, I watched – I believe it's pronounced V. It's V-I-Y. It's from 1967. It's a Russian horror film. Um, it's about a monk who goes on – I'm going to say vacation because I'm not entirely sure how that works – But he goes on vacation and he finds a witch, an old witch, and she basically curses him and he kills her and she turns into a young woman and he flees. But then his monastery gets contacted by a small town and the town's like, hey, there's this there's this lady that died. We want you to watch over her burial. It's like a it's like a three day ritual where you make sure that no spirits still inhabit the body. So he gets there and he realizes that the young woman they're trying to protect is also the young dead witch. So he has to survive three nights locked in a room with her. Um, very slow for the first, I want to say hour. It's only about an hour and 20 minutes. First okay. hour is insanely slow. The second or the last 20 minutes, definitely worth, worth the ticket price. I feel like a lot of older films have that similar pacing because previous mm-hmm. generations had the attention span for it. Yeah, And you didn't need constant action or suspense or jump scares to keep you in the film or keep you in the seat, rather. Yeah. This one is very um, – I don't know if you're familiar with the Evil Dead series. I, like that, I haven't watched them, but yeah. But like that Sam Raimi style of like it's a scary movie, but then the camera will just like Dutch angle and zoom in on somebody's comical face. And you're like, wait, is, it, is this a comedy too? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. Uh, so it's very much that, but I figured uh, 
a good witch talk could just transition us into the movie The Witch or The Vavitch, if you're feeling saucy. I remember when The Witch first came out and you and Jake were super hype about it and I was lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up all watching it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that was actually like super solid." Like that, yeah. the witch is something that I before like Get Out and Us and uh, the other films that I'll mention here shortly came out. The witch was what I kind of went to as like if someone was looking for a modern horror film that was like actually good, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Go watch the witch because it seems like it wouldn't make any sense." And it's another one of those films. I feel like The Witch has a lot of similar pacing to older films. Mm-hmm. For because sure. it's, it's super slow in the beginning like that. And you're just kind of sitting there wondering what's going on in the universe that they're creating. But man, super solid film, though. It is. Um, I haven't seen his second film yet, The Lighthouse, with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. But I hear great things. I might have to put that on my watch list. I didn't know that existed. I'm so out of touch. I believe it's on Amazon, but yeah, real good things I'm hearing about it. So you should also give that a watch, guys. Uh, you got no, another one you want to talk about, Brandon? I want to bring up Hereditary, directed oh. by Ari Aster. That has been my current go-to if someone's looking for a horror film. I, I had you watch it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned it in the chat. I got my roommate to watch it. My roommate isn't like a movie buff in the slightest most movies that your average person would think are phenomenal he thinks are shit i was like bro watch hereditary because that movie feels like you're being chased the entire time Mm -hmm. because there's just so much suspense i could go on and on about hereditary my favorite things about it are that ari aster doesn't give a shit about jump scares and will blatantly show you exactly what's happening in front of you and just go yeah how do you feel about that huh yeah, like, I really like that shit. One of my favorite horror tropes, like I unabashedly love, is when a character we're following walks into frame and there's definitely something behind them, but there's no music cue. It's just like something standing in the corner and you're yes. just constantly screaming like it's behind you, it's right behind you. Don't don't turn. It gives you that dramatic irony as the viewer of exactly. like you're looking right at it, you know exactly what's gonna happen. And I even, I paused it when my girlfriend and I first watched it because we went into it completely blind. I saw a Facebook post that showed uh, some of the behind the scenes of like the horror makeup that they did. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that looks super sick. So I asked uh, the person who posted it what the movie was. And they were like, dude, it's hereditary. Go watch it. So I didn't watch a single trailer or anything. I saw effects makeup. I saw a woman on a ceiling and I was, I was in. So yeah. I paused it while we were watching it, and I made that same comment. And I was like, this is where in every other horror film, you start to get that really intense music that just hurts your ears. One and of these. Then you, yeah, <laughs> literally. And then you get the jump scare. And I was like, it didn't happen. I was like, I don't know if I love it or I hate it. I was like, I hate it because I expected it, but I love it because he knows I expected it. <laughs> It's, I think it's a, Hereditary is a modern day like perfect horror film as far as something that you're looking for that's like actually scary and not just a psychological thriller. Exactly. Uh, there were there were definitely things that I wish were different, but I think my faults with it lie with the fact that it's it's a big homage to like Rosemary's Baby or The Omen or like classic horror about like creepy children who are possessed by a thing. Where this yeah. movie kind of is that in shades? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
and oh. I, I brought that same thing up too is like i told my roommate i said it's it's a weird movie um but you need to pay attention because in the first 20 minutes you're gonna think it's a typical horror movie about some creepy disfigured child mm-hmm. and then they spoilers they kill the child immediately yeah and my girlfriend and i both were like oh there's no way the kid's dead and then they just show a fucking deformed face that's been hit by a pole and i was like holy shit what where does the movie go from here just to sum it up because i want to go a little further in depth Mm -hmm. the kid the only issue i really had with the film is that if you don't pay a hundred percent attention the ending won't make perfect sense. And it oh, could yeah. be one of those movies where you have to have an explanation at the end, which is what I had to do for my roommate to oh, I explain for sure. the whole ghost thing. I for sure went and found a YouTube video and they started explaining like, well, in uh, religious mythology, King Paimon is like this ruler. He's like a prince of hell. And I was just like, there's so much lore that they don't even touch on in the movie. Exactly. Like, I should just know. <laughs> and that that was my really only big issue is that like they tell you enough that I think if you pay real close attention that you could pick up on it. And my girlfriend and I obviously like you and Soraya do. We try to dissect the movie as we watch it mm-hmm. and try to figure out the ending every time. This is not one that we were successful on, but we no. started to pick things up like, oh, the friend was uh, the woman that was trying to get her to do the Ouija board shit was uh, in the seance was friends with the grandma. And I was like, it's a big fucking cult. And like, we were close yeah. with a lot of shit, but like, then they throw the whole King Paimon thing in there. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And then at the end of the film, credits are rolling. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and then went through the whole thing. And she's like, can we watch a video? I was like, yeah, yeah, we can. Just to uh, clear it up. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna do my my next movie, but I quickly want to just Tony Collette in Hereditary. I'm surprised yeah. she didn't win a fucking like Best Actress of All Time award. Is that the main character, the mom? That's the mom. That's yeah, okay. she crushes yeah. it. Honestly, I was blown away by her performance in every aspect. Like super fucking solid. Not over the top like most moms in a horror film. Exactly, and not completely oblivious. Like she's exactly. just like. Um, so I want to talk about 1962's Carnival of Souls. Um, it's a movie about, uh, there's two women who die in a car accident and one of them survives. Uh, and they're pulled from the river and she decides to go on a trip because she's going to get a new job as a church pianist. And along the way, she just keeps seeing frightening visions of demons, maybe. Maybe. Uh, It's a spoiler, obviously, for a movie that's. 58 years old but at the end it's revealed that she's being chased by demons because she actually died in the car accident she they oh. six sent us yes got our asses but the visuals and like the way it's shot is hauntingly beautiful i was real into it the whole time and for a movie that old do you feel like it stands up today graphically um graphically i would say yes the pacing is obviously a little a little wonky there's a little too much talking for my taste if you know what i'm saying but <laughs> the scary bits are are definitely really cool to watch i would recommend it i'm i'm basically just rating the criterion collection on hbo max and there's a lot of good stuff i would check it out if you got free time 
Yeah, HBO Max has been like my go-to lately in all honesty because they actually have solid content instead of just a bunch of bullshit nobody wants. Exactly. Do you want to talk well, about your... If you uh... do live-action films, go check out our last episode. You can watch them on HBO Max. <laughs> Not sponsored, but we wish we were. I, I'll, I'll shill out for Scooby-Doo any day of the week. Oh, 100%. Matthew Lillard as a guest, imagine. Um, speaking of sunshines and happiness, you want to talk about your, your next pick? The next pick would be Midsummer, And at, at its face value, it is sunshines and happiness. Midsummer is the second film by Ari Aster. Um, you start to notice a little bit of a theme with Ari Aster's movies, and that's that he likes cults. Mm. And he likes decapitation <laughs> and uh, Swedish people are creepy, which we've watched a lot of horror movies lately because, you know, Spooktober. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that there's so many films that just have Sweden as the place to be. And it's terrifying. And I was like, all I've heard my whole life is that Sweden's a beautiful place full of peaceful beings. And now I'm seeing all these horror movies set in Sweden, and I'm just not sure. I'm just conflicted at this point. Yeah. So Midsummer is a bunch of college students, and one of them is a foreign exchange student from Sweden. And he decides to bring all of his American friends to the Midsummer Festival in Sweden. Simple enough, you know, real straightforward. You don't have any questions about it and uh so they go they start doing magic mushrooms and you know celebrating and stuff midsummer festival seems like a pretty normal time and then people just start disappearing oh yeah and uh i don't want to spoil too much for you because i do still really badly want you to watch this film but by the end of this film it's another uh, typical ari aster you know you have no fucking clue how you ended up here from the beginning of the film and, and that's one thing with uh, Hereditary as well. From the start of the film to the end of the film, if I, t- if I took a clip of each part of the film from beginning, middle, and end, they could look like three different films. Exactly, time. yeah. And it's just weird how all of this can happen in one film, and what we have to assume at this point is one universe since he's obsessed with the same culty ideas. Mm-hmm. But Midsummer is another one of those. I don't. I don't feel like Midsummer was as strong as Hereditary because he doesn't rely on being completely scary the entire time. Mm. It's he feeds on that fear of the unknown more with Midsummer, mm-hmm. where you're not entirely sure what's going on the whole time, and you want to believe that they're not the bad guy. But in the back of your head, you're like, "There's no way they're not." <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't seen Midsummer yet. All I know is um, there's like flowers and a cult and some period blood. And uh, <laughs> I, I know the ending, it was spoiled for me, but I'm not going to say it here just in case people want to watch it. But like I was saying before with Hereditary, this one gives me strong classic horror vibes too. And like the original, I believe Michael Caine's Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. Like that's what this one reminds me of. It's very Wicker Man. I agree. Um Ari Aster has a really weird pacing style that I feel mm-hmm. like suits the modern generation. Mm-hmm. You know, his target audience is definitely hit because even with Midsummer, where it feels slower paced, especially compared to Hereditary, because Hereditary, like I said, in the first 20 minutes, you've got decapitation. 
you know, it's right in your face right away and just mm-hmm. does not let off the gas. Midsummer is a lot slower paced as it seems, but like if you pay close attention from the very beginning of it, as soon as they're like in Sweden, shit starts going wrong immediately. Yeah. Like, and if you rewatch the movie, you can get bad vibes from the very beginning and you're like, ah, not a fan of this. This isn't going to look too good. It does come off as more slower paced, but I feel like in the long run, like it is super solid. Mm-hmm. Definitely Wicker Man vibes, though. Love it. Um, I got I got two more oldies left. I'm just going to kind of squash them together because I don't have too much to say. I watched 1959's First Man into Space. And essentially, it's an astronaut trying to make it into space for the first time. This was before the moon landing. And Spoilers, by he... the way. We landed on the moon. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> That's just what NASA wants you to think. So they can convince you the Earth is round. But it's not round. <laughs> I saw a post yesterday where it was like... Uh, Somebody was confirming that the moon landing was fake. They were like, yeah, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin actually uh, decided that they were going to fake the moon landing and they got NASA into it. So instead of faking it, they wanted to go do the real thing or some shit like that. Just to like shit on somebody saying that the moon landing was fake. I was like, damn, people in 2020, you still believe the moon landing was fake? People are sad. That's what that is. Honestly. Um, so first man in space, uh, he makes it back to earth and he realizes that the radiation from space turns him into a disgusting monster. That's, that's basically the gist of that one. But that kind of links me into my next one, which is 1958's The Blob. The Blob. The Blob starring Steve McQueen. Um, and it was kind of dumb. All the characters were really, I didn't like most of them, but it's really, I like the special effects and it was really fun. It was like the type of movie that you would put on at night. And just kind of veg out to it. You know what I mean? Veg out. You and my girlfriend are the only people I've heard use that term. Just got to veg out. Just vibing, bro. You know? What does veg out mean to you? It means my brain turns into a vegetable. And I just endlessly watch content. See, and she uses veg out in the context of, like, eating, I believe. (laughs) Oh, she's getting a salad. Is it not eating? (laughs) Yeah, okay. I guess you guys are kind of on the same page. She says, like, maxing out, chilling out kind of a thing. I don't get it. She Was says it cameo? must be an Illinois thing. Yeah, it's a cameo. She's over here making mac and cheese in the background. I won't lie to you. Yo, I don't want to be this guy. I, I, I tell people all the time I'm from Wisconsin. I was actually born in Elgin, raised in Round Lake. Gage is like, oh, what's up? I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. He's from Illinois. That makes sense now. He tells everyone he's from Wisconsin. He was born in Elgin. What a fucking imposter. We have one imposter among us. <laughs> Yo, Austin's a little sus. Austin looking a little sus over there. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got. Uh, you got any more picks on your end for... Uh... Um, I, uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I think that's about it, you know? I feel like those are the movies that I feel like are... Super, super solid. You know, we got The Witch in there as well. That probably would have been my honorable mention. Oh, see, The Witch is... I think The Witch did... Just to come back to The Witch, because I'm a sucker for it. I think The Witch does really well, because the movie, depending on what what rewatch you're on, changes. Because, obviously, the movie is The Witch, and you assume the movie's about the villain, The Witch. But then when you watch it a second time, you're like, maybe The Witch is the main character? 
Yeah, I felt the same way because I did rewatch it. I've watched it twice in total, once when it first came out, and then I ended up buying it on Blu-ray. And when I rewatched it, I was like, did I watch the same movie the first time? Yeah. It has totally different vibes. And it, I think a really good thing about this new horror, too, is there's there's such great iconography. Like, if you looked up Midsummer right now, you would find some great stuff on Google Images. And I oh, think a lot of modern horror just doesn't really have an image that grabs you. I think that's what, like, 70s, 80s, like, Michael Myers, Jason, it was it was iconic. Right. And I think if you look at something like Hereditary, it's going to be the little girl. It's going to be uh, the son, Peter, with the crown on. Mm-hmm. You look at the witch, it's going to be Black Philip the goat. Like, everything's really got, like, this presence that makes you go, like, oh, yes, that thing I remember so clearly. See, and I feel like the way I think about it is, would I put it on a T-shirt? Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I saw a T-shirt with the sun with the crown on his head, I would buy that T-shirt. The same way that I would buy a T-shirt with, like, Michael Myers on it, or Freddy, or Jason, or, like, any of the classic slasher films that are still pop culture today. I feel like movies like Get Out, and when I think of Get Out, what do you immediately think of? I think of him wide-eyed crying. Exactly. I immediately think of the wide-eyed crying like you see on the cover. I would buy a t-shirt like that. When I think of us, I immediately think of a creepy person with their mouth sewn shut, holding scissors in their hands. Like I would buy that shirt. Yeah. If I saw a t-shirt for Midsummer and it was, slight spoiler, somebody covered in flowers in a bearskin I would buy that shirt. <laughs> I feel like the those newer movies hold on to having an image and something like a brand, if you wish. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the only other modern franchises that are doing that, and we'll talk about them at a, at a different episode, would be something like The Conjuring, I think. Or even I would mention like the Insidious series. Oh, I love me some Insidious. But yeah, those are... But I think there, the it's just James Wan has has that similar setup where like Conjuring One is kind of a retread of like it's an homage to like the Amityville horror and like old movies like that. Exactly. Where the iconography is less about the monster you see briefly and more about like the two lead investigators that you're following in the movie. Yeah, and I feel like that's what everybody will immediately think of <laughs> when you bring up the Conjuring is Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, and I guess like, Annabelle. Yeah. See, I uh, we'll get into that in a different day. But as far as Insidious goes, my girlfriend said that she hasn't watched them all. And I was like, the last key is the only one I haven't watched. And I own the first three that were actually mm-hmm. kind of solid. Mm-hmm. And she goes, is this the one with the Darth Maul face guy? <laughs> <laughs> There's your iconography for you. I was just talking about Insidious yesterday because I'm waiting on a fifth one. Um, and I've, I've heard rumblings and red rumblings that Blumhouse plans to connect the Insidious, Insidious and um, Sinister universes. Yeah, I've heard that same rumor over the last couple of years, honestly. But the reason I'm looking for another Insidious is because Lee Wenell, uh is in all the Insidious films. He plays Specs, the investigator. He's kind of a dork. He directed the third film, but he also dropped Invisible Man this year last Ooh, year baby. Yeah. invisible man is 
I wouldn't call it scary, but the whole time uh, my body's just clenched and I'm like, oh no. It's not necessarily, and my girlfriend and I also watch this, it's not that it's scary. It's, it feeds on that fear of the unknown at the same time as just being suspenseful. And you're, like you said, you're clenched. You're just constantly in your seat. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I saw a little bit of the behind the scenes of uh, them filming the actual Invisible Man parts where she's just getting her ass beat in the kitchen. And uh, I think my girlfriend made a comment while we were watching. She's like, it honestly looks like... Like, it's really well filmed, and, like, someone's actually beating the shit out of her. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. There's just a giant dude in a green screen uh, morph suit just beating the hell out of her, throwing her across the house. And I was like, man, perfect film. <laughs> for sure. I I appreciated that it was a look. I'm going to get a little serious for a second. But I appreciated that it was a look at, like, domestic violence without being... Without, like, glorifying it, I feel like you can watch a lot of scary movies and there'll be, like, some sort of, like, sexual assault or something. Or something, like, touchy like that and they just do not try to handle it well. They're just like, hey, how terrible is this, huh? Huh? Either that or they, like, overly romanticize it. Exactly. Whereas this movie's just like, no, she's in a real bad situation, bud. Like, there's no no upside. What I like about this film is that the entire time you're... I, I said out loud watching this, I was like, God, I can't wait for her to kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, you're cheering for her the whole time. It's very clear who the good guy and bad guy are in this film. Exactly. But the film, I'm not going to spoil it, but once you hit the dinner sequence with her sister, the movie mm-hmm. switches to a different movie. Oh, yeah. And I just, it caught me completely off guard. And I was like, oh, 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 this, this is where this movie's going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm aboard. <sighs> Real good stuff. Super solid. That's another one that I, I feel like is a perfect horror film. But it's another one of those movies, like I said, it feeds on that unknown and shit like that. It, it's just not what I consider like good horror these days doesn't rely on jump scares mm-hmm. or like any really intense music to be a good movie. Oh, I understand completely. It's more I need I need a good cohesive combination of modern day pacing and editing, but like that classic horror style. You know what I mean? Yes. Ugh. I could drink it mm. up. Man, now I just want to go watch spooky movies again. We've been the Magic Lantern Show. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Gmail. We're Magic Lantern Show Pod on all of those things. Yes, uh, you can follow dog. me on Nebula Blues on basically everything. Brandon, where are you at? I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Instagram that I never use. I'm on the Facebook. Um, my usernames are different on everything, but <laughs> we could link them somewhere. I'm usually Pestilence RL on pretty much everything that matters. Follow us on Twitter. Share us to your friends. Yeah, and if you if you don't know where to find one of us specifically, I can throw something up on our Instagram and just let everybody know where all of us are. Absolutely. Um, you want to close this out? This has been the Magic Lantern Show. I'm Neil Hamburger, and that's my life. Neil Hamburger, everybody. <laughs> Neil Hamburger. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>